What's up, everyone? On this week's episode of Untucked, we are going to talk about um, some changes to the Dow Jones Industrial Average. We are going to discuss Masterclass, an online learning platform. And then finally, we're going to talk about what is being referred to as toxic positivity. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 36 of Untucked. This is Megan. Hey, it's Mike. And this is Jeff. And I lost my fun fact. Oh, here it is. Did you know that when we breathe in and out of our nose during the day, one nostril does most of the work at a time? And it switches every several hours, which nostril is the lead nostril? (laughs) So it's called a nasal cycle. Oh. Yeah. So... When you have like stuffiness, that's the reason why it's usually more prevalent on one side of your nose than the other. Okay. <laughs> there were a couple words in there I don't love. Stuffiness being one of them. <laughs> nasal cycle, I can probably do without. I love a good nasal cycle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> No, nothing, no refuting of this. On that one. I mean, no. All right. <laughs> I mean, I am a nose connoisseur with this schnoz I got. Sports. They're back in full force. What did we got? What do we got? We got Sixers are donezo. We already talked about that. Did We're we? On. Yeah. We did. I forgot. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Sixers are done. Phillies, man. How they doing, Jeff? They lost like five or six in a row. I kind of, I kind of stopped watching them maybe like in the last week or so, and then I had the games on the last two nights, and I was just cycling through Bleacher Report and just looking at their schedule. They're in last in their division. Uh, this may have changed since yesterday, but um, yeah, last in their division. Uh, there are, I think, like maybe one or two games like last in in the MLB. They moved up in the East. This is this is what's crazy about the baseball. <laughs> this is what's crazy. Like they were they were like four games out of first, but they were dead last in their division, and now they're right smack dab in the middle of their division because they won three games. So I think the baseball season is kind of all over the place because no one's really on a hot streak. No one's really killing it because everybody's, you know, the the season just started. Um, Like they have 12 wins and the Braves have 18. So it's not like there's this huge disparity between first and last. So I'm back on their their train because they, because like I said, I mean, they had – they just won three in a row, but before that, they lost five in a row. It, it's so they're so streaky. Are you guys both out on the fills? You could care absolutely less about them. I mean, I was never in, so I don't know if you can say I'm out. Okay, okay. <laughs> Couldn't care less. Oh, the proper. <laughs> Couldn't the, the care proper less. phrase there, but yeah, couldn't care less is me. Yeah, I'm out. Never was in. So I'm still out. It's still a crapshoot when the bullpen comes in. We have no idea if they're going to do well or if they're going to blow a 13-run lead. Their bats are still pretty good. Strong to quite strong. Bryce Harper's actually having a pretty good year. He's kind of the man right now. You guys don't even care about (laughs) Bryce Harper. Man. I mean. What's your hatred of baseball? Just can't rustle up any interest in the game you don't have to sit down and spend three and a half hours watching like a slow sport like that you can just exactly what you do when you watch a game i put it on in the background have a few beers 
Make some dinner? Yeah, I mean, I just have no interest in even, like, even being background noise. Okay. But horrible conversations. Let's, let, let's just move on yeah. to the Flyers. Um, yeah, tied it up yesterday. 1-1, one, one, game three tonight. Oh, tonight? Back-to-back? Back. Yeah, back-to-back. Back. They were... So by the time this gets released, they'll have played like three more games? Yeah. But, I mean, no surprise. I mean, I don't think... I think most people expected this to go probably seven, which means, you know, it's a coin flip. I mean, it's a... And I think that's... It's proving to be that. I'd be shocked if either of these teams rattles off three straight from here. Um, it's a tough, the aisles are tough to play. The Flyers are having their hands full um, with this team, especially in their own end. They're, 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 they're just, a, it's, it's, it's cringeworthy to watch a lot of the shifts of them trying to break out and there's, they're turning pucks over. The Islanders are working very hard and that's what they do. So, I think it'll be a six, or if not a seven, gamer. Um, and you know, I think it's going to, in the end, come down to whether Carter Hart is just awesome or if he's just okay, because he's proving to be the guy who's bailing them out when um, the Isles are just snapping it around in the zone and like creating a lot of opportunities. So, um, credit to the guys, Hazy and Giroux, and those guys played better yesterday, and they 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 kind of. I thought Giroux was like not. He was better. He he was better in the first period. He was noticeable um, involved in the play. They got off to a three nothing lead, and you're like, okay, that, this is this is finally what you're hoping for. And then they were and, up three nothing yeah. in the first period. I saw the final. The final was four, four three, three right? Overtime. Wow, yeah. little Phillies esque, huh? Yeah, they, yeah. They were they were hanging on for dear life um, for quite a bit of the game, especially the third period, and then. Philippe Myers, the young the young guy, ripped one in overtime to win. So I mean, that was kind of at least for now a season saver because you go down two nothing really in any game, any best of seven. That's tough. So um, we'll see. We'll it's see. frustrating because I don't think they're playing their best hockey. No, they're not. But they're playing a team that makes it hard to look good against. I mean, you know, they they took the Caps out in like five games and made the Caps look awful, and the Capitals have. Sick talent on that team. You know? I feel like, and I, I texted this to you yesterday, I feel like they have no idea what to do in front of their own net. Or like the puck goes behind the net and all of our defense goes behind the net and leaves the Islanders just alone in the zone. The Islanders are a better skating team. They've got some, I mean, Barzal is impossible to contain. The, the little guy, number 13. Yeah. And um, the Flyers are not as quick and quick quick-footed and and when you're chasing around in your own end it's it's a it's a problem yeah i guess that's what's leading to them making some poor decisions because i'm noticing i don't know much about hockey i know a tiny little bit and i and i know a little bit watching my son and i'm watching the flyers make some decisions and i'm like what the hell are they doing like why would you even do that um they were fortunate that um, Varlamov, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. The Isles goalie, who they chased after the first period, they, they they scored three on them, and they were they were good goals, but they were bad goals in the sense that they two of them especially should have been stopped. And um, yeah, that was kind of fortunate that like Hazy's both both Hazy's goals were good shots, but short side, kind of not great angles, and then he bounced the um, one off his yanked. back and in. Yeah, that was that was that was not bad. Coots' uh, goal. goal was awesome. But anyway, um, you know, you're never going to dominate for three full periods. You got to deal with the momentum shifts and stuff like that in any sport. But a uh, little concerning because I think the Islanders have been the more dangerous team for the first two games overall. Um, well, yeah, I, I think that's the I, I would agree with that statement I just made. They, they've been a little, <laughs> I would agree been with a little bit the made. more dangerous team in terms of um, – time in the zone and just buzzing around and creating chaos and just outworking them. They just look again, they look like they're, they're hungrier for, for some reason. Now, it might be bias. It might be the Philly bias. You watch your, you know, your team over and over and you, you get more critical, but um, I think it's going seven. I think it's going seven. It's a coin flip. I hope it goes seven or less than that. And the flyers win, but 
I was a little confused with what happened in that third period, Meg. So Flyers are up three to two. I'm sorry, they're up three one. And then the Isles score to make it three two. Or was it when when was when did the review happen when the Isles score to make it three three? When they tied it up, yeah. So the Islanders tie it up at three three with two two minutes left in the game. Three three with two minutes left in the game. The Flyers coach challenges that the play was offsides. So he's saying when they came into the zone, they were offsides. It wasn't called. They eventually scored on that shift, which means the goal gets reversed. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize if you lose a challenge, which he did, so it's a good goal, 3-3, they also get a power play. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's steep. So they were on a power play for the final two minutes. Flyers were shorthanded. After they just got scored on to tie off the game. It was crazy. Do you have beef with that call? No, it was actually the right call. The Flyers missed it. The coaching staff and the video people missed it. They thought they had a like, solid case. And I think it turns out that they forgot the rule a little bit. Because it's the nuance of the rule is you have to have possession of the puck when you bring it in to like create the offsides if your guy's still in there. But the Islander player... like. Brought it into the zone, but he didn't have possession. So until he touched it, it's it's not going to be offsides. And that was enough time for the guy to get out. And the Flyers, gotcha. the video guys must have seen it. It looked clearly like offsides. And then they they, they realized probably later, like, oh, shit. Um, but after the call. Per the rule book, that wasn't offsides. After the, the refs said it's a good goal, the bench was still... But after the Going game, crazy. I think Vino acknowledged that he he screwed up. Okay, I didn't I didn't, yeah. I didn't watch anything. I was thinking that he was challenging another play in that sequence, not the one that they were uh, showing no. on TV. No, I think they saw it, and and I think even at home, you you look at it, like that that's offsides for sure. And it then didn't you look realize offsides. that. Oh yeah, but he didn't. But but the Bailey, had, the Islander player, did not touch the puck, and until he touches it, it it get that allows enough time for the other player to get out so they were saying on tv the the puck obviously has to be all the way over the blue line and if that happens before the the other the islander was trying to get out of the zone as long as any piece of his skate touches the blue line before that puck enters then he's out he's he's considered out out, yeah and it didn't look like it looked like that happened his skate touched the line before the puck was in yeah and specifically before Bailey actually yeah. like corralled the puck, so it was it was a potentially was bad crazy. coaching error yeah. that could have like ended the season, um, or or been the the nail in the coffin. So Flyers hold them off. They go to overtime. Flyers score. Thank God in like yeah. the first like three or four minutes. So I didn't have to like have a heart Stress attack. Too long, <laughs> especially since I had to drive my kid to practice right at that time. <laughs> like, yes, let's go. We gotta go. Get in the car. We gotta go. I think it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be a tough, gritty series, man. And I don't feel good about it because the Isles just look really good. They look really good. Yeah, we got to get lucky, or we got to start playing better. Ghost was like a scratch, right? Healthy scratch. Oh yeah, he's out of the lineup. I'm not sure if he sees the ice again. <laughs> he probably flyer. He probably won't. He's, he's bad. Just, he's just not. Was JVR called up for that yeah, game yesterday? Yeah, because Lawton was so bad in game one. So JVR, they took out the two worst players in game one and then put in. You know, the next best, yeah, basically. Who are irrelevant. Yeah, JVR is just... He's irrelevant. Mm, not a great skater. <laughs> and you're playing against a good skating team that makes it even harder. It's, yeah. it's a yeah, tough call. All right. Is that it? we have any other Philly sports? Birds? Nothing? I don't Nothing's think going so. on, is there? Um, <clears throat> what's going what's, on? What the, what's sports talk radio saying? <laughs> uh, what's going on with the birds? Yeah, there's a lot of <clears throat> excuse me. There's a lot of talk about expectations of Carson Wentz this year, and you're either in or you're out on him. You either think he's going to have an MVP season or you or you don't. Uh, Why can't he just have a good season? <laughs> Why does it have to be MVP? Why do expectations have to be that high? I am shocked at how many people still don't think he's one of the best quarterbacks playing the game right now. Top five. I mean, there's Mahomes. Who else? Jackson. And Lamar. Like, I, I would take Carson Wentz over Brady. Brady's old. 
Didn't we have this debate last year? We did. We did. <laughs> well, I had an argument with my little brother over the weekend about Brady and and Wentz, and I mean, he, Tampa Bay, the Bucks are going to the are going to the to the playoffs. Like the Bucks aren't. Tom Brady's old. They might make the playoffs. They won't make the playoffs. Okay. <laughs> Save the tapes. I'm telling you now, it's going to be an epic fail in Tampa Bay. Epic fail. Gronk. Gronk. Guys, Why are you saying Gronk like that? He's 30, 31 maybe. He's a mess. Physically and emotionally, the guy's a mess. Where are you getting this? I'm just telling you it's going to happen. I'm predicting. I'm making some predictions. Um, yeah, so they're, they're, they're concerned about Carson. I know that uh, somebody got hurt yesterday in practice, a main offensive lineman, which is not good. They were And they were running through the names of the offensive linemen. I'm like, Jason Hello? Peters still? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I don't think our offensive oh. line is very good, but we'll see. Okay. I feel like because of COVID, there's no chatter about the birds. Like no one's even excited that football season's going to start. I mean, they're they're working out, right? There's like, yeah. I mean, is, I don't, is is it going to happen? I mean, or are we still just we were it super wrong about yeah. the bubbles. Like we we anticipated the bubbles kind of blowing up, and they've been wildly yeah, successful. They're not doing that though, right? right? There's no plans to bubble, right. and baseball was a train wreck with cases. I don't know. I have no idea. Well, the NHL is already planning out the next season with like eight bubble cities. Really? Yeah, they're they're anticipating that they're going to be dealing with having to be in a bubble for the season. Yeah, the NBA is, hasn't hope not. T- like gotten there yet, but I think everything now with I mean they protested three game like boycotted three games yesterday. Like there's talk that this season not even resuming. So I don't know if they're and players have openly said this the bubble sucks. Like we can't do this for eighty two games. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that that would be a challenge. To yeah. The hockey bubble's different than the NBA bubble, correct? Um I don't think so. Not really. The the NBA just has one bubble. Though. Yeah, hockey is hockey two. Hockey is two, two cities. But they're in the. Maybe I'm just completely oblivious to this. The NBA is in Disney World. Orlando. Orlando. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed outside of like the compound they're in, right? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. hockey doing the same? same is thing. NHL doing the same thing? Okay, yeah. in Toronto and they have, but in okay, so they have like a hotel or or a compound there, and they're not allowed to leave it. Yeah, and okay. of course they've got a walled in. There's stuff to do outside and whatnot, but mm-hmm. it's yeah, you're you're locked in. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's totally working. Mm-hmm. I thought there was gonna be more chicks getting like snuck in. The NBA is letting you bring guests for the playoffs, but they have to. Why would they? Right, do that? right. and it's gonna be like, yeah, this is my sister. <laughs> oh, really? The- <laughs> I thought no. I saw her on Instagram. The no, other day. they specifically <laughs> said the the wording was something to the effect like you have to have a legitimate relationship with this person, and it was like it was essentially saying it can't be some bitch you met on Instagram without saying it can't be some bitch you met <laughs> right. on Instagram. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but who knows? I mean, like a lot of players have just been really vocal about. I mean, the, the Black Lives Matter movement and the impact it's having on them in the bubble. And, like, two teams, what they were polled, two teams voted not to continue the season. Hmm. So we'll see what happens. Why the Dow Jones shook up its members. Dion Rebuin. This is from Axios.com. Beginning August 31st, Pfizer, Raytheon Technologies, and ExxonMobil will no longer be members of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, being replaced by Salesforce, Amgen, and Honeywell. According to S&P Dow Jones Indices, the change is being made to help diversify the index by adding new types of business that better reflect the American economy. Riveting article, by the way. I couldn't have been more bored reading this article. Couldn't have been. You did. You, yeah. It was correct. That was Good. correct. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking. It just it proper makes proper sense English. When you say it correctly. Yeah, proper English just just happened to come. Well, out I, we, we can we can thank Mike for our coach's corner. Article. Why do 
So I have a few questions. Yeah, that's kind of why I picked it because we people generally refer to the market as the Dow. Like, what's the Dow doing? The Dow, 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 Dow. It's the it's the number one thing. Everybody knows what the Dow Jones is, and it represents like what the market's doing, right? But it's the dumbest index ever. And it's weird and it's just inertia, I guess, as to why it's still like the number one kind of front of mind measure of what the market's doing. And and we For the common investor yeah. layperson. Yeah. Yes. So it's really silly that the world hasn't transitioned away from that to looking at something that makes a lot more sense, which is let's say the S P five hundred. The Dow Jones is a you I don't know, what's it, over a hundred years old. It was created, it was like the first index to measure like what the market was doing. It was like 12 stocks. And what all they did was they added up the prices of the 12, divided by 12, and there you go. And it was like, and it kind of hasn't evolved a ton since because it's still, you know, they still use the price of the stock as one of the, you know, measuring components of it. And the whole formula has been adjusted over time. But the biggest problem of it is it's pure, like its members, its components are just picked by a committee. So the 30 companies that represent the Dow, and it's changed over time, and this article's talking about how, you know, Exxon just got booted and, you know, GE was booted from it a few years ago. And the committee, to me, it just seems like it's getting worse because they're try- now, they're, now they're trying to, like, you know, compete with other better performing indices like the NASDAQ 100 or what have you. Why does the Dow care how that index is performing because every time you see the dow jones um price on cnbc the dow jones gets paid so they they get paid for licensing the index to whether it's funds that get benchmarked to it or just you know the the popularity of of using its likeness if you will Hmm. um so it's really important for them to keep it relevant it's Interestingly, ir- it's Dow Jones and S&P are the same. Like, they merge, so that's, they're the same. But it's... Then just, just get rid of the Dow. It's irrelevant. Well, it started as the as the 12 industrial companies that were supposed to be most representative of the American economy. It does bother me every time Is, somebody says... Am I correct? Says, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was in 1928, dude. Yeah. And we're now, slow to evolve in this country. It's 100 years right. later. It, it, there's 30 companies. It's not representative of anything anymore well i think if that is accepted by people then it's fine to have it right like it doesn't hurt anything if people are just like it's there but if people are using it as a measure of the market or of american companies then yeah it it's not serving any purpose in that way because it's not i think a lot of people do like wow the dow is at twenty-eight thousand. people do yeah and i'm like we stop quoting the dow it doesn't that's not what you should be looking at I mean, it's semantics in a way because it's so highly correlated anyway. It's kind of like, yeah, when the Dow's up 1%, the S&P is usually up something close to that. But it's more and more divergent. I think that's part of why they're making these changes. They're like, I mean, Salesforce, Amgen, and Honeywell are now added to get, and they got rid of what? I forget. Exxon, Raytheon, Technologies, and Pfizer. And Pfizer, but... Um, but there's, there's a committee that gets together and they're like, oh, who should we add? Who should we get rid of? And there's, it's very like um, subjective, whereas like the S&P 500. And by the way, people think that it's just the top 500 stocks and it's oh, just market cap weighted, which it is. But there's also a committee. So they won't let somebody into the S&P 500 just because it's stock number 495. It has to pass certain criteria like liquidity and you know, some, some basic stuff. Um, which helps. Then there are other indices like the Russell, which is pure math. It's like these are the top 1,000 companies. Um, there's no committee. There's no anyone who's like making a call. So it's really probably not ideal in that sense either. That's why I think the S&P is, is the best. And the Dow sucks. I mean, who wants to, <laughs> who wants to like follow a, an index that's just it, – it, it, it would be like – Oh, the um, growth fund of America is at uh, $27 today. <laughs> the market's up. Like, that's not the market. That's just a fund. It's the same thing. Um, and then the numbers are staggering. There's only like $30 billion benchmarked to the Dow. And um, benchmark just means it's, it's tracking it. So there's, yeah. funds, compared to there's it. funds and assets and investments that use the Dow as their benchmark. Right. And that's like nothing. 
um, 28 billion of passively managed funds. And what that is, is an ETF that was launched in 1998, which is the diamonds. It's like basically the Dow stocks. Okay. And at that time, you know, when ETF started to like grow in popularity, a lot of people put money in the diamonds and it still exists today and it has 28 billion. But compared to, compared to yeah. the S&P, which has 11 trillion <laughs> benchmark to it and four and a half trillion, um, passively managed to you know to it indexed to it it's it's not even close so the dows are relevant in the real investment world compared to the s&p but crazily enough you turn you, you put on this you know cnbc and it's the dow mm-hmm. it's the dow it's the dow it's the dow so um and the wall street journal hasn't done any favors to it they still quote everything in terms of like oh, dow crosses twenty eight thousand for the first time like that's the headline like Come on. That that's my bigger beef with the indexes is how the news outlets quote the number of points the Dow moves. It that's drives actually, you're me right. you're crazy. Right. That's the bigger issue. Thousand point plunge. <laughs> it's never happened and it before. It turns out it's th- like two and a half percent, which is like really nothing. The headlines that the Dow loses two thousand points is what which has never happened in boldface. It's like, idiot, that's because the Dow's 28,000 now. You're Obviously, when it was 180, it couldn't lose 2,000 points. Like, it now, just drives Jeff, me nuts. If we were sitting in the Dow Jones offices, they would say, now, idiot, the reason that we continue to do that is because we want clicks and eyeballs right, and right. all the other stuff, and right. that generates that. So like, if they just started talking in percentage terms, they lose... <laughs> Ad revenue. That's so annoying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Me. Just talk in percentage terms. That's all that really matters so that people can understand it rather than I hear from my father-in-law at yeah, Sunday right. dinner. Did you hear the Dow <laughs> lost 1,500 points? I'm like, yeah, that's like half a point, Dad. What are you talking about? Right. Who cares? I'm a, I'm a huge S&P guy too, Mike, by the way. <laughs> all right. Well, look, this, this turned Dow. into a little mini tutorial on the, the how bad the Dow is as a measuring stick and, you know, why, why you shouldn't pay attention to point moves or... The Dow itself. Agreed. <laughs> Maybe next week he can break down the S and P versus the Nasdaq versus the Russell two thousand. Yeah, I don't know if people want to like. Yeah. Maybe they if they have out. trouble sleeping, um, I'm gonna at CNBC, MSNBC, all. The- <laughs> Please do. Please do. Here's what we think about yeah. the Dow. <clears throat> all right, moving on. Yeah. What's next? What is Masterclass actually selling? This is written by Karina Chicano from The Atlantic. Um, Masterclass is an online learning platform that puts the best, the world's best minds on your computer screen, teaching you about their crafts. Masterclass off- offers subject areas ranging from music and entertainment to science and technology, and even includes physical skills like tennis or ballet. Karina's article describes how it came about and what its appeal seems to be now so admittedly i've never even heard of it oh really yeah ne- i'd never heard of Masterclass. i'd heard of it i've never obviously taken a class but i'd heard of it why haven't you ever taken a class no interest really mm-hmm. so i went on their website after reading most of this article because it was long god it was long yeah i was gonna tell you that in the email but then i figured if you knew it going into it you'd be even more upset <laughs> i probably well, wouldn't have read it at all if i knew it was long all right, little tangent, but anything out of the Atlantic is usually long, yeah, and it's usually really pompous. I find like I think a, that's fair. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead, Jack. Um, so I, I googled Masterclass one on the website and started checking it out. I'm like, man, this is it was it looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Now, I was able to find out of the 85 masters that are in their bank, a few that really intrigued me, like Tony Hawk. He, 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 so I watched his two-minute trailer for his master class. That's totally something I would watch. Absolutely. So he will teach you how to... Skateboard? So he's so in the trailer, he talks about, I'm going to show you the basics, and mm-hmm. then I can also show you some of my signature moves and how to do them. But he, in the trailer, he, you can see that he gets into a, a point where he teaches you how to ollie. I've never been able to ollie. I would love to know how to ollie. And I've Googled it. I've YouTubed it, tried it, didn't work. <laughs> but I would definitely pay 15 bucks to watch Tony Hawk. Hmm. Because he was an icon and is an icon, the best skater of all time. 
Yeah. Went pro at 14. I mean, it's his, sure. his story's awesome. And I would, I would pay 15 bucks to hear it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the platform is cool. I think part of my lack of interest is that um, I feel like a lot of these people are relatively accessible otherwise. Because I think a lot of this has to be about the person, right? And like their struggles, their accomplishments, how they got to where they are. Obviously, there's going to be a here's how you ollie or Serena showing you how to hit a backhand. Like, But the physical one, I think, is way more difficult to even put into kind of play here. Um, but I guess I just feel with social media, the internet, podcasts, YouTube, um, there's just so many more ways to get to these people and to learn about them that I don't know for me that this is the forum that would get me any more interested. I think it's personally. just a huge money grab. Um, <laughs> you know, like I like, are you serious? Like Dustin Hoffman's going to teach acting. I'd rather just watch inside the actor studio, James Lipton and have the same thing where he talks about like interviews them about mm -hmm. like how they got to where they are and mm -hmm. some of their experiences and stuff. I mean, do you really think that Dustin Hoffman's a good acting coach or teacher? Just like is most of the people who are really good at something are bad teachers at it. Mm -hmm. um, and the article did mention that point, which I agree with. So to think that just because like Serena um, is such a great like epic tennis player and she's going to be able to translate that skill to teaching it, which is totally different. I would be skeptical. I think Jeff, you're just more talking about how cool it would be just to like get the insight from the people about how they got to be where they are. More. It, it almost made me feel like 30 for 30. Yeah. Yeah. And I would pay and have paid for 30 for 30. Because it's that yeah. good. So if these were that good, I'd be willing. To, I'd be willing to pay for it. Yeah, I, I can. I can understand that wanting to learn more about these people and their story than the actual thing that they're choosing to teach. Like that's more intriguing to me than again, like uh, I don't know, learning like how to cook. James from Patterson, Ramsey. how to write a like a thriller novel or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind learning how to cook from Gordon Ramsay. That would be cool. There are so many more outlets that you could learn to cook. He's not an appealing guy. I just saw his name. So, again, for me <laughs> right. personally. Right. Um, comedy with Judd Apatow. Like, I just, I guess I don't understand, and maybe I would have to try it to to get it, but um, it feels to me like, not, I don't want to say money grab, but it's these people, their brand, and an opportunity for them to continue to to build it and to like influence. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's accurate. Do you think it'll last? Well, I mean, they talked a lot about like in COVID, people trying to find things to, to fill their time. It probably has legs. I, as much as I said, I like it sounds cool. I, I, I would probably guess it doesn't have legs. Because if I didn't feel that way after watching or if I watch Tony Hawk's and it's really, yeah, he teaches me how to ollie and I get some of his backstory and that was cool. They're not all in the same format. So I may go to Gordon Ramsay's and it's, I don't get any of his backstory. He literally just teaches me how to cook a steak or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, that's stupid. I could have done that through YouTube. And I, I have a feeling that you don't get the backstory as much, but would have to, would have to download a few to see if it's, if that's actual. I guess I just feel like generally education is is moving in this kind of direction. Like kids, people now choosing to learn have so much more access than they ever had, whether it's masterclass, whether it's a podcast, the internet generally, or a YouTube video. So I, maybe the masterclass doesn't have legs, but this type of platform I think does. Because obviously people crave this type of interaction from names that they recognize i mean learning how to do makeup with bobby brown would appeal to a lot of people i know who's bobby brown she's like a she created a makeup line that's is that like millie bobby brown or is that somebody else <laughs> no that's the chick from stranger things the like 12 year old yeah i, I know 11 I, was, I, was... I think you're right meg though like the 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 platforms that are out there and it's not specific to this but that are enabling people to grow and perpetuate their brands in a diff different way that they never could before and make money from it. I think that's, that's a definite real thing. Um, I'm not sure I would like sign up for most of them, but I, I could see tons of people having, getting a lot out of it. 
yeah, yeah. a lot of people gravitate towards this i think and did you see any names there that you were intrigued yeah by, that was Mike? also part of it i didn't i was like nah 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 and a lot of them i have no <laughs> idea who they are <laughs> like the whole culinary world i don't pay attention to because i'm not like that into cooking or learning any more than i know already <laughs> yeah you know so um so no so so their their current roster doesn't appeal to me maybe that's part of it who's the one lady i can see her picture on the site i forget her robin roberts yeah dude newscaster you can keep her oh really oh, you don't like she her annoys me. Why? you mean the espn um yeah she was, yeah i saw her speak to... yeah like last year where up in valley forge not good very huh? annoying yeah she annoys me yeah, I'm kind of over her. Like Judd Apatow, how to write a comedy screenplay. That's stupid. I mean, I'm, I think it's like I, Judd's interesting to me because like a lot of his movies are funny. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I, I, just, I maybe I just have to try. I, I just don't know that I would have an interest in hearing him describe how he like conducts his craft. Yeah. You know, well, it, it, and you're not going to know how to write a successful one because you have to be funny you have to have this, that talent and a lot yes. of people aren't funny <laughs> yeah what well, that's probably part of like the disclosure like this isn't going to lead to the next like super right. bad too right i don't even think he did super bad knocked up too like this is i think it's mostly for people to fill their time yeah. like i would hope that people are self-aware enough to know that I'm not going to become the number one tennis player in the world because I paid $15 to watch Serena hit serves. Like, hopefully. That should be the... I don't think people are that smart. (laughs) (laughs) What do we got? (laughs) Time to ditch toxic positivity, experts say. It's okay not to be okay. Allison Chu from the Washington Post... Allison art Allison's article talks about forced positivity that everything will be fine platitudes that people often use to deal with negative experiences or emotions according to Natalie Dottilo a clinical psychologist quoted in the article the behavior while meant to make us feel better often leads to a dismissal of our actual feelings and a tendency to undervalue negative emotional experience experiences and overvalue positive ones I love this I agree 100% with the article. Yeah, I like 100%. I yes, I agree as well. I do too. <laughs> and like part of me is like, okay, well this is kind of obvious, but it's really not when you think about it. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it was really good when you like read it and then you're just like, yeah, you know, there is too much of that like, hey, chin up, everything's going to be okay. It's you're going to be- get through this. Right, right, right. Yeah, I know that, maybe, but it freaking right sucks now, right now. Yeah. I, I totally agree. The dismissal of the the struggle that you're having or the negative emotion you're feeling is bullshit. Like you get to feel how you want to feel and no one should be able to tell you that that's right or wrong. And, and it's like implying that you shouldn't feel that yeah. because you should know that you're going to be okay. So why the hell are you feeling like this right now? Like that that's sort of that whole mm-hmm. message. As humans, we suck at that empathy, Right. You break up with your boyfriend. You're talking to your girlfriend. And she's like, you know, you're going to be okay. You're going to find another guy. And then what we they also do, we also do, is, is try to equate some pain that we've had. Yes. When I broke up with my boyfriend, right, like, right. Yes. dude, I don't want to hear about, like, you're not going to one-up me right now about your breakup bit. story. Uh-huh. We're bad at it as humans. I, I listened to a woman speak years ago. I've shared her with you guys, some of her thoughts about she lost her husband. The life insurance guy came to the house. And had no clue how to deal with her and deal with the situation. So she became a coach about coaching financial advisors how to deal with loss when they lose a client. And one of the things that she shared was, when you go to a funeral, please stop telling people. Like when, 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 when dad dies, don't say to the kids, you need to be strong for your mom. Oh, yeah. No, oh. you don't. Yeah. You can cry your eyes out. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be strong because everyone's telling the spouse who lost their spouse, stay strong. You can be strong. Like, I don't want to be strong right now. Mm-hmm. I want to be as weak and vulnerable as I've ever been in my entire life. It was just like super good advice that I've remembered for a long time. The one that I always try to like, not correct people because that's 
stupid, but when people say it could be worse and it's like, of course it could be like everything could be worse. But if we don't deal with anything we're we're experiencing and always think it could be worse, that doesn't invalidate what you're dealing with now. Yeah, I think I think the the instinct is for if you if you empathize with somebody and say, yeah, I I this does suck. Mm-hmm. This is te- this is this is shitty. You maybe the instinct is you feel like you're making it worse for them because you're making them feel worse, and that's it's the opposite. It's I got the call. acknowledgement of what they're dealing with. I got a call from a client. He's, he wasn't a client at the time. A client dies. His son calls me and he's like, "Hey, Jeff, this is his name." And my dad, my dad died. I was stunned. And all I said was, that sucks. And he goes, you know what? You're right. It does suck. (laughs) Because I'm sure everyone else was like giving some bullshit, trying to make you feel better. And I, I was genuinely like sad because the guy was a really sweetest guy on the planet. And all I can think of was that really, really sucks, man. And he was like, you're right. It does suck. I like to think that most times people are coming from a place of like their own uncomfort. You know what I mean? Like not knowing how to handle a situation. So they say it's going to be okay because they don't know what else to do. So I don't like necessarily blame people. I think there are in your example, people who want to make somehow shift the story to them and, and make something that's not theirs about them. And those people suck. But I think genuinely it's, it's not it's people being uncomfortable in the scenario and not knowing how to empathize properly and not not feeling comfortable just saying or not saying anything like sometimes just being like shit yeah and i think it's it's um with kids slash teenagers um i think a lot of parents like let's say the kid has is struggling with something the boyfriend breaks mm-hmm. up with or so, yeah something like that and instead of instead of that acknowledgement and kind of being upset with them, it's, you start to like, you start to give the whole, this isn't going to, you're, you're going to, this is a blip. It's not going to matter. In the right. Future. You're, like, right. you're, you're going to forget about this in no time. And that's like the opposite of yeah. what needs to happen. I, I mean, I'm bad at it, but it's the instinct to do that, you know? So what was the term you just threw out there? It could be worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if I've, I've used it a million times during COVID, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I'm using it in the way that you're describing. Like when people say, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, yeah, it's tough. We're struggling with, you know, trying to teach the kids school, but it could be worse. Like, so that's not the way you're describing. No, it kind of is. Now, your example is maybe a little bit benign, but I guess like your struggle with the kids in school is a struggle. Like by so saying I'm talking about my struggle, I'm not talking about like your no. struggle. No, that's what I mean. Like, okay. you, it's Excuse. yours. So it, it's allowed to suck. Like, it might right. not be as bad as the person who lost their job and who is struggling to pay their bills, of course. But if we, if everything we said it could be, there's always in every scenario going to be something worse. So right. I guess to me that dismisses you and Melissa trying to figure out how to homeschool three kids. That's just, not going to be easy. I'm just doing it to myself. Versus like if I was dealing with something, you're not talking about you're dealing with oh, something and I say and to you, you, hey, Meg, come oh, on, get God, over it. It could be worse. Because I was going to say, if somebody said that to me, I would kick them in the dick. No, 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 no. I see what you're saying. I'm okay. sorry. I All misunderstood. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm meaning like people use that to dismiss their own shit. Right. Because they don't want to seem like they're complaining or whining yeah. or like I, do, I know I have it good in the eyes of whoever. Right. Mm-hmm. So they feel like they have to kind of like, they have to say that. They have to back it up with, oh, I know it could be worse. But like, if it's a legitimate struggle, it's a legitimate struggle. And struggle is, it's relative. Right. Yeah. I guess I feel like my struggle really isn't a struggle, which is why. I, I mean, it. if you gave me like, I have to sit outside on my beautiful patio in the heat because our <laughs> air conditioning is broken, then I'd be like, I'd kick you in the dick. Yeah. But like... <laughs> yeah. Having to homeschool three kids, like that can be, that's a struggle. Yeah, yeah correct. <laughs> yeah, it was, I thought it was a great article. I think a lot of people should read it. We should have probably led with this one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although maybe people listen trying to get to the top five. <laughs> yeah. All right. Top huh. five. Oh. Go ahead. Best lines from comedies. 
How'd you guys do it? This, this is the worst top five ever, and not because I don't mean worst because it's a bad one, the most difficult one. Um, really? I felt like you could spend an entire ten hours, like thinking and researching to try to come up. There's just too many. There's just too many. It was almost overwhelming to try to find some and end up like throwing in a towel and just picking some kind of obvious ones. That's how I dealt with the top five. So my process was like I thought about movies yep. that I find funny. Yep. Yeah. So it's very like like these aren't probably I don't I doubt there will be any overlap. But I was like, okay, what are my favorite movies? What do I laugh at? And then I was thinking about particular yeah, lines. I was a little bit in the middle on that, but I spent entirely too much time on it. <laughs> and I think I, I ended with a, a really like kind of lukewarm top five. Yeah, I, th- I thought of the movies. Yeah. And then, but then I also thought of, there's a lot of comedy lines that I recite all the time in my everyday life. Yeah, you're a, you're a reciter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, can't but see the line, so can you, Russ? I say it all the time. There's so many under the radar movies that maybe aren't like front of mind as like yeah. your favorites that have yeah. like awesome Iconic lines. lines. Yeah. Well, that's where I struggled, like Super Troopers. One of my favorite movies. One of my favorite comedies. I couldn't think of a line from Super Troopers that I thought was hysterical. Right, because there's like great scenes in it, but yeah. a line is, is different. A line is different, yeah. yeah. It was a little tough there. Yeah. And if I had more time, I probably would have researched best lines from Super Troopers. I just didn't, I ran out. <laughs> I kind of crammed for this one, so. All right. Well, you want to start? Sure. <laughs> On that note. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can't see the line, can you, Russ, is one of my all-time favorite lines from uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. When they're at the counter and he's looking at the lingerie on the lady. <laughs> um, it's a good one. This is more of a scene but a line as well. Dumb and Dumber when they put the hot peppers in that guy's hamburger. And he starts eating it. And uh, Jim Carrey says, how's your burger? And then the guy literally has a heart attack and dies <laughs> because he can't handle. He's got an ulcer and he can't handle hot peppers. So how's your burger? Um, the scene. <laughs> The scene in uh, Hangover where, where Stu says, like, why can't we rem- remember anything from last night? And then Alan goes, that's one of the side effects of Rufy's memory loss. And Stu goes, you, you are literally too stupid to insult. <laughs> and then Alan goes, thank you. <laughs> that's a good one. I feel um, like The Hangover probably has a couple. A ton. And then my, my top two are classics of all time. Um, I guess it was Naked Gun. Where what's the guy's name? The main character, Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen yeah. was he was arguing with somebody, and he goes, "We can handle this like mature adults, can't we, Mister Poopy Pants?" <laughs> that is definitely a Jeff special. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. a great, it's a great line. The fact that that makes it to your like iconic. Oh, it's great! Great, it's so funny. It says so much. And then number one is from Caddyshack. Well, the the exchange between Chevy Chase and his caddy, where the caddy's struggling, he goes. Do you do drugs, Danny? And Danny goes, every day. And Chevy Chase goes, so what's the problem? <laughs> Back to Caddyshack. Sorry. That's my top five. It's pretty good. You want me to go? You want to go? I'll go. Sure. I don't know my order here. Um, like so I'll, I'll just start with the Caddyshack one. The one I took from there, in fact, we talked about it probably the other day. It's the Bill Murray, Dalai Lama. The whole speech. scene. And, and the line, the specific line is just the last one, which is, so I got that going for me. <laughs> it is a classic. Is nice. It's a classic. Um, um, the other, and, and I'm, I'm going Dumb and Dumber also. Uh, and the one line out of that one, which is like super popular, it's Jim Carrey saying, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> I forgot about that one. And he asked him, you know, what do you think, one in a hundred? Yeah, we're like one in a million. But he just pauses like perfectly. And he's like, so you're telling me there's a chance. Very funny. Um the other one I have is a is a you guys will probably know it's from something about Mary, mm. and it's the part when towards the very end when Ben Stiller and what's her face Cameron Diaz are kind of like connecting, <laughs> and he goes, "But what about Brett Favre?" <laughs> just like, for some reason I love that he's like <laughs> kind of making fun of Brett Favre. <laughs> it is a classic. Uh, and then um, I got the, I know, Meg, you're not going to agree with this one, but I got um, Will Ferrell from Old School with um, 
yeah, we're gonna have a nice little Saturday. <laughs> gonna uh, go, go to Home Depot. Uh, you know, maybe buy some wallpaper, some flooring. Um, maybe hit Bed Bath and Beyond if there's time. You know, that's a great that's one. A great it's one. a classic line as well. And then my last one is from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and it's oh. when John um, John Candy's driving and Steve Martin's in the passenger seat, and it's at night, and they're in the middle of nowhere, and they're going on the wrong side of the road, and the the guy on the on the correct side of the road is driving next to him. And they're rolling down the window. And he's yelling at him, "You're going the wrong way!" And John Candy's like, "This guy's drunk." And then he's like, "Hey, how does he? This guy's drunk. How does, how does he know where we're going?" It's so funny. Like that was a good one too. That made me how think of another one. How does he know where we're going? Movie. Like that's classic. <laughs> how does he know where we're going? Anyway, so that's my list. Okay. Um, so I have Amanda Seyfried in Mean Girls. She's like the ditzy blonde yeah and she's telling Lindsay lohan that she has a sixth sense and she says it's like i have espn or something and the way she says it she's just so dumb and she like taps her head it's just perfect delivery it's a good one um okay so bridesmaids has like a million yeah there's one you know the scene when they're playing tennis and it's uh kristen wig against whatever rose her whatever her name is and they're obviously like trying to compete because they hate each other. Yeah. Rose's stepson says, I've seen better tennis in a tampon commercial. <laughs> and it's like my dad pointed it out to me. We were watching it That's together great. one time. That's and he's a good like, one. Have you ever heard that line? And you don't because you're focused on the yeah. tennis match. And he's like a twelve year old kid saying it. Um, and then I went dodgeball. So when the announcers are talking about, I guess, the championship match, and the one guy says, average Joes is forfeiting because they don't have enough players. And then Jason Bateman is like, bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it's it. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> Jason Bateman was hysterical. He was, it might that. be my favorite role of him, yeah. and I love him in yeah. really everything he does. Um, Zoolander. God. When Owen Wilson tells him to derelict his balls and then <laughs> Ben Stiller responds, I can derelict my own balls, thank you. Um and then Vince Vaughn in Wedding Crashers. I wanted to put the whole motorboat like uh, yeah. that one quote too. because yeah. it's kind of yeah. you know inappropriate. So just the you motorboat and son of a bitch. It's a good one. Are you built for comfort or speed? <laughs> I I want to watch all those movies right now. Mm-hmm. The Zoolander. Mm-hmm. How about when he, the scene where he's looking at the model of the school? Oh my God. And he's like, this is like a, a school for ants. <laughs> it has to be at least three times the size. <laughs> like, it's classic. He was so good in oh. that movie. So good. He's a pretty good actor. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about he He does not make a bad choice. No, yes, he doesn't. Correct. He doesn't. Agreed. His, his comedies are funny. <laughs> good. That was a good top uh, five, Meg. Thanks. Good one. You guys too. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Till next All time. Right. See ya. <laughs>